Education for a living. Taking what they're given. Welcome to the Poseidon Podcast. Hosted by four guys who think they know what they're doing. Don't yank it. Crank it. Tune in as we cuss and discuss our crazy lives, tell fish stories, and make you a better fisherman. Three, two, one. And now, let's get started. What up, what up, what up? Episode two, we made it. Basically, today we're going to talk about our lives and tell a couple of stories. We're going to do a round table and uh, go to everybody, go to Captain Drew, Captain Dustin, Captain Matt, and myself, and uh, tell stories about our lives, what happened to us, what happened on the water, you name it. So uh, nothing is off limits, and we'll just see where this goes. But anyway, Captain Matt, if you want to take it away first, it's all you, baby. Yeah, so I got a pretty cool story. Um, So I'll set the scene first. So I live in Tarpon Springs, which is an hour and like 20 minutes north of Tampa Bay. Um, Claims Zephyr Hills. He ain't doing it. No. Um, (laughs) So me and my roommate, Colton, uh, his dad has always had a Maverick boat. And um, his dad bought a 21-foot Maverick with a tower on it. And when my best friend was in the Coast Guard, I ended up fishing with his dad all the time. Um, we would go out almost every weekend, fish Tampa Bay together, fish wherever, fish close to me. Um, but anyways, so me and my best friend Colton, we were out fishing. We were snook fishing the beach where I live. If you go in the summertime, the big snooks spawn on the beach at night. And uh, so we were coming back home from snook fishing, and we had a drunk driver actually pretty much total the boat. We were at a red light, and we got hit by a drunk driver. He's doing like 60. It actually it snapped the trailer tongue through the boat in the bed of the truck. Um, the officers told us that if we weren't in my good buddy Jason's truck, he had a Duramax. Um, had an eight inch lift on 37. Uh, we didn't see it coming, so it didn't really hurt us. Um, but so yeah, we got hit by a drunk driver pulling the boat home. And so the Maverick had to get new motor repainted, um, stringer still to this day, this was a year and a half ago and it's still not 100%. We're still waiting on trim tabs. Um, those have been on back order from COVID. Took forever to so you were at a dead stop, like truly yeah. at a dead stop when the dude hit you 65? We were we were at a red light on alternate 19 at like 2 in the morning. It was a drunk It was a drunk guy. He was in, I think it was a Nissan Altima. And, I mean, it's cra- I wish I could show these pictures, but, I mean, I, I don't even know how the dude was, like, okay. Like, the motor went straight through his windshield. I mean, it had so much force that broke the trailer and shoved the boat into the bed of the truck. Trolling motor was road. We had bait all over the middle of the road. Um, yeah, it was. It was honestly crazy. that's probably the most expensive of it all. The insurance will cover everything, but you lost fifty dollars in bait. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, so it actually worked out really good, um, kind of, because that night our motor was actually acting up. 
Um, it was a 1996 Maverick, so the motor, you know, was an older two-stroke. And um, we're pretty sure we lost the cylinder that night. Like it was insurance fraud. I don't think you can. Uh, I don't think you can fake a drunk driver. Um, but so yeah, now it's got a brand new uh, show on the back, a 250. Um, so that's really cool. But anyways, so this is kind of just like the introduction to this story. So this is probably one of the funniest slash scariest, um, just crazy story I have. Um, so we paid this guy named John. He was in Apollo Beach. Um, and he basically did all the work on the Maverick as far as repainting it, uh, fiberglass work, getting, you know, getting the motor mounted, um, so we decided we'd go fishing, and so I don't know if you guys have heard, uh, Quiz, Drew, you guys probably, you guys know where Bird Island is, right, from Tampa Bay? Yeah. It's kind of by Big Bend area, um, so we were fishing Bird Island, and for years I've fished this island, I've never had a problem with it. Um, but there is signs that go all the way around the island that say, like, you know, you can't go in there. It's, they say it's um, it's a bird sanctuary, but they say that the island is, like, I think it's, like, radioactive or something. I don't know. But you're not supposed to go past those signs. But I've never had Now it. we're getting good. Yeah. Fishing never, on a radioactive island, baby. Yeah, I, I've never had a problem with it before. I've always, you know, it's it's pretty shallow around it. It's It's flat, so you could power pole and still be away from that sign. Um, I never had a problem. We were catching a ton of redfish, snook, um, and then I hooked a big cobia. And I hooked a cobia. It was on, I think it was on a 2500 Stratic, so it wasn't a big setup at all. Definitely not the right thing to use for a cobia, but there ended up just being one, you know, circling around the island. Well, the cobia dragged me past the signs, and I did not want to lose this fish, so I was like, dude, power pull up. Like, let's, let's go chase it. And, um, so we chased the fish in there and dude, it, it was like literally like within five minutes, um, two FWC boats pull up on us. Like, I mean, out of nowhere, they came in in a undercover pathfinder. So we thought it was just, you know, uh, another fishing boat. We didn't think it was the, uh, FWC. So they came in there. And, and for uh, people who don't know, FWC is like Florida wildlife commission. So that's yeah. the. The wildlife police, basically. So they pulled up on us, and uh, I'm still fighting this fish. And I'm like, well, I'm going to land the cobia now. We're already in trouble. So it is what it is. So we got the cobia in the boat. It was keeper. It was legal. Um, and then he starts talking to us about the boat. And the reason why I explained, you know, what happened to the boat before this story. So <laughs> we had just picked it up from the guy that redid pretty much everything on it and uh we didn't have any numbers on the boat because it just got repainted so we completely forgot to put numbers back on the side um pretty much i think we had i think we had all the life vests that we need but we definitely forgot some stuff you know what i mean like this accident it the whole boat got redone so we weren't even thinking twice of it and so the fwc they just start slamming us on you know boat registration numbers um, and then he asked for ID. So it was me, my roommate, and then his dad was with us. And, uh, me and my roommate, we left our wallets in the truck and thank God we did because, um, his dad was the only one that got the, uh, that had his wallet on him for his ID. I mean, I had my fishing license and everything, but that's all through, you know, phone, you don't need it on you. And, um, so 
Yeah, he ended up getting a trespassing for the bird sanctuary. Um, it was he. I think he, he had to go to court. He got like 30 days of community service, and he almost got a felony for it. So that was pretty crazy. Um, I used to do a lot of fishing in areas that I knew I was never supposed to, and uh, yeah, I'll never do that again. But it was just it was just funny that. You know, we completely forgot about the numbers and everything else, like, on the boat. It was just one of the things where it's, like, you know, one thing happens, and then one thing just leads to another and another, and then, like, you have zero case. Like, (laughs) what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, you can't really argue with him. Um, Luckily, the officer, he was cool enough to where he didn't charge us with fishing it. Um, If he would have charged us with fishing it, it would have been a definite, like, felony for fishing it because it's considered bird sanctuary, port security, all sorts of stuff. Uh, so moral of the story is leave your wallet in the boat or in the truck. Yeah, never bring your wallet. With you. Did you get to keep the cobia? Oh yeah, I kept the cobia. That's, that's worth, so it. It's worth it. Yeah, worth it. Oh, I wouldn't say it was worth it. <laughs> Felony cobia, man. Oh, dude, I, I've had a couple of uh, put it like this. I used before I had my captain's license. Um, I did a lot of stuff that was probably very questionable. Well, I want T-shirts. Uh, fish over felony. <laughs> oh, that's a good. One. <laughs> I like it. Oh. All, right. All right, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, so my story is not fishing related at all. It is, I well, sort of kind of outdoors related. Um, for the people who don't know, I had a TV show when I was in high school and college and basically that's the story in itself, but it, it all started where me and I, uh, a couple of buddies took a really crappy video camera and thought it would be a really fun idea to um, film our duck hunts so that when we're like 50 years old one day, we can like look back and show our kiddos and be like, look how cool we were. We, we knew how to kill a duck, you know? And that's how it started, and we filmed, like, an entire season, and I wasn't even old enough to drive yet. It was, like, I was 15. And um, anyway, we ended up, at the end of the year, like, putting it all together, like I said, just for kicks and giggles, and uh, it kind of turned into a really, really bad high school-level DVD. I mean, just terrible. Like, I would never show y'all ever. I mean, it is so bad. But I thought it was cool back then. And we decided that we were going to buy a booth. Like, we had a name, and we bought a booth at this thing called the Big Buck Classic, which is like this outdoor expo in Little Rock, Arkansas, that happens every year where people bring their bucks that they shot that year, and whoever shot the biggest buck in Arkansas wins, like, a four-wheeler and ten grand. But, like, 40,000 people come to this thing to, like, see all the big bucks that were killed all over the state. You know, big redneck bonanza. It's a good time. And we decided to buy a booth. You know, Mama Harris decided to give me a little bit of cash to um, buy a booth and sell these DVDs at um, this trade show. And we did. (laughs) We ended up making, like, so first of all, to make a DVD cost nothing. Like, literally 14 cents for the DVD, the plastic the inserts for the DVD, burning it, you name it, cost nothing, 14 cents. And we were slinging them for like 20 bucks. And we made 
$3,000 in a weekend, and I was 15. But, hello. So we thought we were absolutely loaded. And anyway, after some time, that eventually turned in. We did another DVD, and it turned into a TV show, and we were on the Sports Teams channel, and it was cool. It was cool. We aired in, like, 56 countries and all kinds of craziness. But um, I say all that to say that our first year in having the TV show, we were nominated for a golden moose. <laughs> and so that's, like, the the version of, like, a – in the outdoor world for the Sportsman's Channel and the Outdoor Channel, that's like an Emmy or an Oscar or whatever, you know, like TV show awards. And so we were nominated for a few things. I can't remember what it was. I know one of them was like fan favorite show host. Another one was uh, best new show, something like that. And so we found all this out like after the season had already aired and it was a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. And the award ceremony was in Las Vegas. And so this was 2016. And if you remember, I'm not going to try to make this a political thing. Who cares what side you vote on? But Donald Trump was heavy um, running for president in 2016. And, um, of course, no better people to talk to than all the outdoor, um, you know, TV personalities all over the world that are going to be at this Golden Moose, you know, award ceremony. So, anyway, getting a little ahead of myself, but basically we waited until Black Friday because we didn't have a whole lot of money, didn't really want to go to the award show, but in the back of our mind, what if we won, you know? <laughs> and so we... Um, waited till Black Friday, and we, we Googled online and tried to find the cheapest hotel possible. And I, I don't know if it was because Donald Trump was running for president or what, but staying at the Trump Hotel in Las Vegas was, like, the cheapest thing you could find. And it was, like, $50 a night, and these rooms were immaculate, like, absolutely incredible, like, the nicest I've ever stayed in, in amazing bathtubs in every room, granite countertops, views of the Vegas Strip, just gorgeous. And so um, we did not know that Donald Trump was going to attend that award ceremony, and we got an email the day of the award ceremony saying um, that, hey, you need to show up an hour and a half or two hours early because there's going to be Secret Service and you're going to have to get you know, pat it down and go through security, much more intensive than it would have been previously. So we're staying at the Trump Hotel. We get dressed to the nines in our nicest suit. Like, I, I thought this was such a big deal. So I went and got, I mean, truly a red carpet event. And so I went and got, you know, a fitted suit and thinking I was going to be on TV. Uh, in the back of my mind, I had a speech prepared and, you know, the whole deal. So we walked downstairs two hours before the uh, award show is supposed to begin, and we go, like, to the lobby, excuse me, and we ask the guy, like, the front, hey, can we get a taxi or a a car or whatever to take us to the um, convention center? And the guy's like, yeah, no way, not happening. We're like, what? Are, are Are you serious? 
And he's like, yeah, there's, you're not getting a taxi. You're not getting a car right now. It's super busy. We haven't seen one in like an hour. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so I'm begging and pleading because we're dressed to the, in the nicest clothes I've ever worn, and there's no way I'm walking an hour in this, these clothes all the way to this red carpet event thing. I'd show up looking like, you know, terrible and sweaty and you name it. Okay, first world problems. <laughs> so anyway, I, I'm begging and pleading with this guy to get us a limo, a taxi, a Uber, you name it, trying to get anything. And he's like, there's just no way, man. And one of Trump's uh, guys overheard this and were like, uh, you know, he comes up to the guy and this is like earpiece in the ear, the whole thing. He whispers something into his ear and the guy says back to him, are you sure? Are you sure that that's okay? And the guy said, yeah, absolutely. Take it. And so the next thing I know, he comes up to me and he said, okay, guys, I found a car for you. Uh, Mr. Trump is going to let you take his. And we're like, what? And this this is a blacked out SUV. The the doors are freaking two feet thick. Donald Trump or Trump 2020 or whatever it was on the side. And um, or 2016, whenever he was running, I don't know. Uh, Trump 2016 on the side of this thing. And uh, literally the driver was Secret Service. And so there's six of us. We pile up into this car and they they take us to this red carpet event and we're rolling up in trump's car okay so everybody there knows that trump is coming and we are rolling up in what looks like to them trump's car so remember it's red carpet event paparazzi or camera people whatever you want to call them and so everybody starts freaking out and cheering and cameras are going crazy and there we get out of the car and there is an audible gasp of oh <laughs> <laughs> when, we're like oh it's them <laughs> when we get out of the car and um anyway they took pictures of us with trump's car and the dude drove, drove away and we were incredibly thankful for getting us a ride to the uh, award show or whatever, and we did the whole red carpet deal and got our picture, and we lost everything. Um, but still, super crazy that Trump let us uh, use his vehicle. And then when we got back that night to the hotel after the ceremony was or the award banquet was over and everything, uh, he was doing an interview with Fox, and um, like the Fox van was out front. He was in the lobby. And he was doing an interview. He did speak at the uh, award banquet. And, um, you know, he did a good job. And then he ended up back at the hotel. And as soon as he got done with his interview at Fox, he stood up. Of course, he had a crowd of people watching. And he said, drinks on me. <laughs> so he bought, like, three rounds of drinks for everybody in the lobby. And, uh, yeah, so that's how we ended our night. Went to bed. Losers, but... Winners in our heart, baby. So that's my story. That's awesome. Oh yeah, that's awesome. It's <laughs> freaking funny, man. So funny, like getting out of the car and hearing that audible. Oh. <laughs> it's like the perfect way. Like it totally sets the tone for just going in there and losing everything. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> yeah, it was so freaking funny. But anyway, man, Captain Drew, what you got? 
So if uh, if you know me, uh, my nickname for a while was Steve. Um, I'll get to that in a shortly here. So we uh, we used to do a bunch of bow fishing trips, and um, I was scouting a new area. I was on a 26 bay boat, just cruising around. New foreign area, not really uh, really sure. It was in Cockroach uh, Bay there by us in Ruskin. And we ended up running out of water. It was a negative tide. This is wintertime, so we have lower lows and, you know, higher highs uh, tide-wise. So uh, ended up just coming to a halt, not really, not running, but, you know, uh, just coming to a ground and couldn't get off the bar. So, as a captain, we had a couple of friends on board, too, uh, that were just there for a ride, essentially. So, I would just, my captain instincts kind of kicked in there and just started helping out and try to get the boat off the bar. Couldn't get it to go. We, uh, this is now probably, I don't know, sunset time, so around 8, 8, 9. Um, and then we ended up having to call Cito. And they came out, the only dispatch at the time, there was one guy on call. He was at Anna Maria, which was about an hour and a half away. So we're like, well, I guess we're just sitting ducks at the time. So we just sat there and waited for him. And, uh, yeah, so he finally showed up and could barely get to us. So I walked out our anchor line to help him out and kind of got it all tied up. Everything's good. And he couldn't pull us from forward motion. We were just really stuck at this point. The tide dropped even more while we were waiting for him. And so I told him, the captain, I was like, hey, you know, maybe try getting it from an angle, get a little suction, you know, break that seal. Um, so instead of having him get stuck going into a different angle, I walked it to uh, try to see if it got deeper. Cause again, foreign area, not sure where uh you know what's what around us and uh ended up walking back to the boat it went from like knee high to my waist and the tide was ripping out so bad i couldn't really see the clarity of the water it was dirty it got all stirred up and uh ended up stepping on a stingray and uh got me right right above the ankle twice and talk about pain that was the worst pain i've ever experienced i mean I, I haven't broken any bones or I've been fortunate, uh, but I've sprained stuff and it's by far the worst pain. It was and, in- Yeah, and the worst part about that whole story is like we were going out, you were with uh Chris Smith and then Brian. Yep. And uh you were like brand new. Like you were with Poseidon Fishing Charters for like three weeks or something. I mean, you were barely, yeah, yeah like, had, it wasn't, it was, it, it wasn't long at all. Yeah. No, you had like just started. And the reason that we went out that night or, is because we wanted to try out bow fishing. Like Chris right. Smith had like rigged up all these lights all over the front of the boat. And we got all this equipment because we were getting calls all the time for people wanting to go bow fishing. And we're like, well, maybe we can rig up a $180,000 Cravel <laughs> to go boat fishing. Swing and, it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and boat fish in luxury. And then they, like, so it was going out to test that, and we got a little too shallow. 
and I got the boat stuck. Mangroves is what I like to call it. Pretty That was so bad. And so, but you were trying to like look cool, you know? Like I, Brian literally told me that they poured an entire bottle or half a bottle, whatever it was, of peroxide on your ankle, and you didn't like move an inch. You had yeah. a gaping hole in your ankle, and they poured a, half a bottle of peroxide on it because it was in the first aid kit, and because of the pain of the stingray, it was just like nothing. Yeah. Honestly, That's when stupid. it first happened, I, I don't know why. I thought I got bit by something like a shark or something because we were actually kind of shark fishing while we were waiting. We just threw out some big baits that we had just for, you know, pass the time kind of thing. And so, I don't know, I just had shark on my mind, maybe. Because um, we saw some stingrays earlier, but I don't know, it didn't really dawn on me until, obviously, it happened. And then, And that, that gum, I mean, you were in the in and out of the doctor, and it's still, I mean, it's two years ago now, if yeah. not more. I'm on it right now, as, we, you know, as we're talking, so. Yeah, I mean, it is nasty. And and for a year, I was, like, worried about you. Like, it, yeah. you were in and out of the doctor at least once a month, and it is a nasty-looking issue. Yeah, <laughs> like, probably, I think I went on six different times, antibiotics. Yeah, and the, the funniest part about the whole thing was I went to bed when y'all were going out at, like, 9.30 or 10 o'clock, and I woke up at... 4.30 or 5 o'clock the next morning, and I texted Brian to see how it how it all went. You know, like, were we successful? Are we able to do boat fishing? Is it a total waste of time? Like, what is it? And uh, he goes, well, his exact response was, well, um, we're not back yet. And then I was like, oh, yeah? Like, y'all smacking it? Like, just staying out there longer because it's so good? And they're like, not exactly. I'll call you in a bit. <laughs> and tells me this whole story and Cito gets there and eventually like they get you out of being stuck because he's in the channel and we had to get rope to him or whatever and y'all get out at like 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I got back to Marina around 5. Yeah, and literally y'all were hopping off the boat and Captain Steven who had a charter at 8 a.m. was getting on. So, no no pun intended. Yeah, we were hopping. Yeah. Yeah. Literally yeah. hopping. Yeah. One legged. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so so terrible. Thing, so, at the time, I lived with my parents, my dad, and I had a 45 minute drive home by myself. Oh. Is and it your driving that, foot? Is it your right one? No, it wasn't, luckily. Lucky, you know, it wasn't my driving foot, but. Well, that's like, why God gave you two, an air and a spare. You only need one. Right, yeah. You know, if anybody on here has ever gotten stung by a stingray, you know what I'm talking about. It was just, it's a constant pain. For some, It's not like fluctuates. It's a steady. It's there. It lets you know it's there. And so I, like, drove a cruise control and just, I couldn't hold still. I felt like I had ants in the pants. And uh, that was uh, the worst thing. And I get home. My dad passed out. Um you know, just sleeping. Obviously, it's early morning. So I wake up my stepmom because she was pretty much not working anymore. So she, I didn't want to wake up my dad having to work in the morning. So I woke up her and uh, 
she's like, hey, and she thought I was just like stumbling over drunk. So she's like, oh my god, what happened? And I was like, Cause I fuck, you know, I was in so agonizing pain, you know, it was just and obviously stumbling around, so I couldn't get that. But stepmom went to go wake up my dad, which is exactly what I didn't want to happen, of course. And uh, we ended up googling it and making sure so you and just taking care of the wound and uh yeah i uh although it would be cool to have a peg leg as a captain um i'm glad i still have my foot so we're we're still walking so yeah Yeah. amen to that and i will say i think the worst part about it all is like when i googled it and what ended up being the, the major problem is like a stingray barb is barbed backwards so it went in and out of your ankle twice and those yep. barbs like microscopically fell off inside of your foot and then yep. that's what got infected and it was oozing and it was just absolutely nasty because your body was like expelling that and it took a long time and i mean you had your leg wrapped up for a year i mean you had the coolest icebreaker <laughs> freaking ever when you start the charter and they're like what's wrong with your leg I'm like what well, the hell <laughs> the uh the luxury of a charter captain here so the next day uh we only had two captains at the time captain steven um he ended up going on a baseball trip with uh his son um is a you know in the baseball so they traveled to play travel ball so i had a 15 hour day on the boat the next day yeah, and it, he, it looked like I had a cankle. Like, it, yeah. my thigh was all just one size. Yeah. Drew literally got beaten up by a stingray and then ran a triple. Yeah. The next day. Yeah. You, you, I almost had to cut my extra tufts off, which are boots, my the rubber boots. I It was swollen so bad into the boot, it was overstretching it. Like, oh. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I even remember asking her, like, "Are you okay? Are you sure you're okay?" And then, like, remember, you're like week one or week two on the job, and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm tough. I got it. I got it. No problem." And then we look at your foot, and we're like, "Bro, you do not have it. You need to go to urgent care right now." <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is, it's like you know, I went to the doctor, and they're like, "All right, so stay off your feet and keep it dry." I'm like, "You, you know, I'm a captain, right?" <laughs> Like Jeez. how? <laughs> that is a wild one. That is a crazy I story. Forever deal, but yeah, we're still here and still kicking. That's right. We made it. Well, that was a really good one, Captain Dustin. What you got, man? All right, so uh, I got a pretty good one. Uh, let me just start out by saying I am from the sticks, the country side of Florida. <laughs> There's not a lot of people where I'm from, so um. I was fishing this place. I, I I wanted to go early in the morning, and I had two friends that were going to go with me. We were going to go inshore fishing. Well, they both bailed at the last minute, and I thought, you know what, I want to go fishing. So I just went by myself. So I put the trailer, or excuse me, I put the, uh, put the boat in the water, and uh, I start fishing. And I'm fishing in Sherrod Island, which I'm sure none of, nobody's ever heard of. Uh, no. Nope. It's a very, very small little community uh, between Horseshoe Beach and uh, the town of Swanee. And it's, on the, uh, it's on the west coast of Florida, up there in the Big Bend area. Very, very tiny. Like Normally, you only see one or two other boats there every day. 
weekends or not, it doesn't matter. It's a super rural area. So anyway, <clears throat> I'm fishing this little area, and I'm about a half a mile away from a creek. And uh, so the tide's going out, and there's a, there's a uh, there's about a 10 mile an hour wind coming off the bank. So it's heading west, the wind. And uh, I start seeing this boat drifting. As, I, as I'm fishing, I'm, I'm seeing this boat drifting. And it probably gets about a, a quarter mile offshore. And then I see, or excuse me, I hear a guy, like, yelling. And I can tell the guy's in the water swimming. And he's swimming towards the boat. and uh, But he keeps yelling, like, I, I can't understand. I, I'm within... I can hear his voice, but I can't understand what he's saying. But I can just hear he's yelling. And uh, so he's swimming as hard as he can towards the boat. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know. I guess the boat got away from him, so I'm going to go over and help the guy. So I pull up there, and the guy is actually yelling to his dog, which is about a quarter of a mile behind him, swimming after him because he's swimming after his boat. So I grab the guy first, and... uh I'm like, hey, man, is that your dog? He's like, yeah, that's my dog. He's like, I was like, all right, well, let's go get him. So I get the guy in the boat, go over there, get his dog, and then his boat is probably almost a half a mile away from us at this point. So there was no way this guy was going to go swim to get his boat. So he probably would have drowned before he got to his boat. So uh, he's thanking me profusely, like, oh, man, there's nothing I can do. He's like, I was up there, and I was digging up arrowheads, like Indian arrowheads. And uh, he's like, he's like, I don't have any money, man, but here, just take this arrowhead I got. And uh, he's like, I found, it. I found it today. And I was like, ah, oh, no, man, I don't want to take anything from you. He's like, he 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 pretty much insisted I have to take this arrowhead. So I took the arrowhead, got him on the boat, and then I'm sitting there talking to this guy, and I'm telling him who I am. And this is such a small area where I'm from. He's like, he's like, oh man, I know your dad. He's like, hey man, tell him Pumpkinhead said hey. And, you know, everybody calls each other nicknames where I'm from. Pumpkinhead. <laughs> Pumpkinhead. Yeah, I was like, what the hell kind of name is this? But anyway, so uh, I was like, all right, man, I'll, I'll let him know. So a few days go by, and I'm looking at this arrowhead this guy gave me. And it is, like, the most immaculate arrowhead I've ever seen. And uh, so I do a little research. I, I don't know sh- nothing about arrowheads. And so I do a little research, and I called this uh, – there's a little museum over in Gainesville, and uh, so I give them a call. I'm like, "Hey, man, this is what I got." I was like, "I, I was like, I, I'd love to bring it over there and let you guys see it." So we scheduled an appointment. About a week later, I actually take it over there to the museum and show them it. And believe it or not, this arrowhead is worth like three thousand dollars. And I was like, "What?" Yeah, this is like the most immaculate arrowhead ever. So I was like, all right. I was like, all right. Well, I'm gonna sell it to you guys. And uh, so I sold it to him. Got the three thousand. I was like, dude, I gotta go find this guy, Pumpkinhead, and I want to give him the money. Because <laughs> you know, I'm not well off by any means, but we had money to, you know, I had my own boat. I, had, I was I was 18 at the time, and I had my own boat. I was like, so you know what? I'm gonna go get this guy because he had a pretty crappy boat, and you know, he needed the money. So I was like, I'm gonna go find this guy and give us his money. So I go to my dad. I'm like, hey, dad, you know, this is what happened. I, I, I met this guy. He said he knows you. So I was like, Where, who is Pumpkinhead? <laughs> and my dad's like, I have no clue who Pumpkinhead is. <laughs> <laughs> so 
anyway, so the town's real small, so I go up to the marina, the only marina in Dixie County. I go up there, and I was like, hey, I was like, y'all know this guy right here? His name's Pumpkinhead. So I ended up, after about a week-long investigation with this guy, <laughs> I actually find him. And uh, I'm like, hey, man, just so you know, what you gave me the other day was worth three grand. So I went and sold it, and I was like, here, here's the money. And uh, he started crying. Like, the money, like, pretty much changed his life. He he was able to go get a part for his truck, you know. And it was just a great feeling, you know, just all because I wanted to go fishing that day so bad. I didn't bail because my friends did, you know. And I was able to do a really good deed that day. Man, that's a freaking cool story. I, I, the best part is that his name is Pumpkinhead, the Arrowhead. Arrowhead Gitter. Yeah. <laughs> that is freaking hilarious. What kind of dog was it? Uh, I have no idea. Honestly, Taking it looked guesses? like a big lab. It looked like a really big lab. It was a big dog. Leave it to Hunter to ask for that, the dog. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the most important. As long as the dog's okay. <laughs> I don't care if the guy drowns. Dog okay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> dog didn't hurt nobody. <laughs> yeah, well, he was actually more worried about it than getting to his boat because, like, he was literally turning around, swimming backwards, yelling at his dog to go back to shore. <laughs> so he's yelling at his dog to go back. Oh, man. I... The, the, like the picture image that I have of this scenario in my head is just absolutely hilarious. Um, but yeah, thank God you were there. It could have ended up real bad, and then you ended up changing the dude's life, or turning his life around, or getting his truck working, or whatever you did. So that's freaking awesome. Yeah, cool story. Cool. I'd love to meet Pumpkinhead. That's going to be our first guest. <laughs> Special guest, Pumpkinhead. Yeah. Well, how'd you find him? Well, we went to every marina and. The only marina there. <laughs> yeah, you know, the sticks of Florida and started asking around for Pumpkinhead. Oh, yeah, everybody knows him. He pays for everything in Arrowhead. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's a good time, team. I, uh, I, does anybody else have another story, or are we going to wrap it up, call it good, and say tune in next time? Well, I guess. <laughs> cool. I, I think that was a pretty good one. We'll – uh. I'm not sure what uh, week three is going to be yet, uh, but tune in to find out because it's going to be good, and this one was awesome. So go freaking team. Have a great night. See ya. Peace. Peace.